honor for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I'm never saying he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a Who's listening to you? How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging. Mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag, and I have high hopes for the swag bag. When you got three crevices on the green, your course is trash. What's happening, folks? Welcome back. Beltway Golfer, episode 13. Alex Dixon here. Um, first off, thank you to the folks who listened last week to episode 12 with Ethan Samez. I know I had some audio issues on my side. Luckily, his audio uh, was good. Uh, got that sorted out. Happy to say that the audio this week is much, much better. Uh, for this week's show, sat down with Mark Russo. Um, he's got his own um, golf instruction business at the Nighthawk Golf Center out in Gambrels, Maryland, where I went and sat down with him. It's right on Route 3 in Anne Arundel County. Um, got a blue collar vibe, driving range, mini golf, batting cages, um, his, his instruction setup, as well as a nine hole golf course. A uh, bit of a pitch and putt, but fun little place, especially for beginners. But they've also got lights. Uh, it's a nine hole golf course that you can play under the lights. And as he talks about, you can bring your own beer. Um, so cool spot and cool setup. Um, Mark is extremely well credentialed and heavily involved in the Mid-Atlantic PGA that we talk about. One thing that we didn't mention that he's also on the list of Golf Digest's um, top teachers for the state of Maryland. Um, so uh, a lot of good insights and a lot of experience. Um, before I get to it, um, I need more feedback. Shoot me an email, shoot me a message on social media. I would love to hear what you like, what you don't like about the show, who you'd like to see as a future guest, or what types of folks uh, you'd like to see as a guest. And of course, um, rate and review on iTunes, YouTube, uh, wherever you can, um, and of course, subscribe. Um, but that's it, here it is. I uh, hope you enjoy Mark Russo, Mark Russo Golf Instruction at Nighthawk Golf Center, um, episode 13, enjoy. All right, we're out here at Nighthawk Golf Center with Mark Russo, and this is going to be Beltway Golfer episode 13. How are you? I'm good, Alex. You? I'm doing well. Doing well. We are, uh, we're meeting each other for the first time. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I'm excited to sit down with you and uh, have you on the show, well, a bunch of different reasons, uh, but one of them is uh, you've got your own podcast. I do. I do. And it's, it's called Driving Improvement. Driving right? Improvement, yeah. My, uh, my, my wife came up with that tagline sort of for my business. It was on my website, and we were, like, kicking it around and wanted to do the podcast. It was some, a fun, creative thing, something different. And she was like, how about Driving Improvement? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it was kind of like, it kind of falls in line. And, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been kind of just about, you know, not just golf-related, but I'm always pushing it back to the, to the golf side with my students. So just yeah. success and failure and why, why sure. it's hard to be get, get better at stuff. So it's been cool. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to hit on the podcast. I've got, I've got a few things to, to ask you about the podcast. Okay. Uh, but let's kind of start with, with, with who you are. Um, amongst other things, um, you are a Mid-Atlantic PGA Teacher of the Year. Mm-hmm. Which was what year did you win that? Uh, 2018. 2018, so yeah. a couple of years ago. 2018. Uh, some folks, if you're, if you're a regular listener, you, you, you would have heard that John Scott Rattan a few episodes ago also won that award. Yep. Who John, was also a guest on your podcast recently. Yes, he is. Yeah, John Scott's our current uh, reigning winner. He's the 2020 uh, Mid-Atlantic Teacher of the Year. Very well deserved. 
And you are also, am I getting this right, you are the uh, northern chapter president of the Mid-Atlantic PGA? Is that accurate? I am, yeah. I've been involved with our PGA section uh, for eight, going almost eight years in governance, just getting involved. And um, so our, our whole section, which is, uh, you know, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, uh, we're broken up into chapters just because there's, it's so wide from Virginia Beach down there all the way to Western Maryland. So uh, we have the northern chapter where we are here. Uh, and I'm the president of the of the chapter. Interesting. I, so yeah. I didn't know. So, so it goes from Virginia Beach to Western Maryland. How, like then, what's nor, what's the northern tip and what's the southern tip of the Mid Atlantic PGA? Uh, well, so the Mid Atlantic, we basically are Maryland, DC, and Virginia. So it's all, just the state state lines. The state, yeah. There's the, all three of those. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a big territory. It's a big section. A great section. Great history. Uh, so it's been fun. I mean, I'm involved in that side too. So it's it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic there. It's been great for meeting. Uh, fellow pros and getting to know more people and just getting involved in our in our association, which is fun. I'm just, as someone who's you know I'm a bit of an outsider. I don't I don't know all the ins and outs of the PGA. What uh, what kind of responsibilities does that entail? Being the president of a chapter, <laughs> it, like, what are you doing? It's not uh, <laughs> you know it's not like an overwhelming uh, a, a thing. It's a two year term. Uh, we've got four meetings in that two year period spring fall we have a bunch of tournaments we have a tournament chair so i'm just kind of um overseeing a small board and we're trying to do some good things for golf we have a junior golf um a piece to that where we're trying to do a few junior golf events um we have player development where we're trying to do things in the community either at the colleges or local festivals getting people to get a golf club in their hand and experience the game um, and then there's some, you know, education and mentoring that's more for our pros. So it's just sort of uh, kind of pushing everybody in the right direction and trying to keep our, our uh, association uh, doing the right things for the game. Gotcha. Do you get involved in many of the, the tournaments that the MAPGA puts on, like any of the state tournaments or anything like that? So, are, they, are they even involved in that? So we, for the MAPGA, for the Mid-Atlantic PGA, we run our own, set, our own tournaments. Gotcha. So our own professional events um, for our pros. And we're all our section staffs also involved in some other events too, like the Virginia Open. But um, we have section tournaments for the whole section, and then we have chapter tournaments, which are more localized within those chapters. So I play occasionally in the section tournaments, and I play in the chapter stuff because I'm the president. Uh, it's just difficult for me to play any golf these days right now, given how busy I am. And you know, so you play in those tournaments as well. I do. Yeah, gotcha. not particularly well these days. <laughs> I mean, you get what you you get what you uh, you deserve when you. I'm starting you know, to learn that the more yeah. teachers I speak to, I've had, you you know, I've had a few on the show already, and you know they don't have a lot of time for their own game. It seems no, I mean I hit balls regularly, but you know as my students know, there's a big difference between the range and the golf course, and you know it is what it is. Yeah. I, you know I don't go in there with high expectations. I go in there to enjoy it, uh, play some competitive golf, which is fun. But more than anything, just getting in there and being with other pros and meeting other guys and. Uh, it's a good way for me to to network and just you know again make make new friends within our association. It's fun. Got it. Excellent. Um, so now you've been you've been in golf for your your entire career essentially. Am I getting is that right? Well, um, the the funny part is, is the place we're sitting now was where I got my first golf job in high school. So really? I started my first job in any kind of golf capacity here at Nighthawk Golf Center when I was. Let's see, I was 17. Uh, I started working here, picking the range balls. I was playing 
I, I grew up playing baseball and hockey. I didn't start playing golf until I started working here. Really? So, at age 17? Yeah. And, and so... So I've come full circle. Got it. And so, not, so, you, so you obviously grew up nearby. Yeah. Um, we are, in, the, in my geography, we're in Anne Arundel now, right? We're, we're in Anne Arundel, Arundel Central. Just, yep. Anne Arundel County. I yep. grew up in Prince George's County. We're not far from PG County, right? No, probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we cross into uh, in the Bowie area, we're 15 minutes down the road. Yeah. Um, Nighthawk Golf. This place is uh, it's it's unusual. It's uh, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got the driving range. It's got the batting cages. It's got obviously instruction. It's got a fun little nine hole course. Yeah. Which is uh, I've played it once or twice. I haven't played it recently. But uh, like, what's the longest hole? What's the longest? Uh, hole? longest hole is 110 yards. 110 so. yards. You know the greens are, are humped. You know, you're hitting off mats, but it, it's just it's a it's a fun little spot to come out and chip and pitch the ball. It's great for. Uh, newer golfers, great for kids. Um, you know, families can come out. And actually, they added foot golf a couple of years ago. So they got two sets of pins out there, the big holes where you're using soccer balls. Yeah. We got a lot of people do that. And then the par three is great. And then some people come out there and just kind of practice around and chip around or whatever when they pay to come out. And it's, sure. it's good. No, it's, it's, it's a ton of fun. I, I would imagine it's a great course, especially for, for certainly for beginners. And, yeah. as an, and so you're set up here. We're doing. We're, we're sitting like kind of just. I'll, I'll take some pictures, but just outside of your, in, what, do, what do you even call this? Your, your uh, instruction we'll, we'll barn. Call this or, the, the barn. Yeah. The, barn, the, okay. the teaching barn. Yeah. The teaching barn. <laughs> so that's right next to. So you can take. You can kind of take the folks that you're teaching. Yep. Bring them right over there. Yeah. We'll we'll take out there. I, you know, it depends on the students. So I had a couple ladies who were here before you set up with me, and next week we're going to go out there and really take them out and, and play the game, which they haven't actually done yet. And I have a couple high school kids. Um, I'll, I'll teach at the same time. We'll go out there and we'll do a little challenge, no putter and a wedge, and that's it, and just play. Yeah. So it's fun. How long has Nighthawk Golf Center been here for? Nighthawk has been here since, uh, I'm going to get the year close. I want to say 1990-ish. Okay. Yeah, 89, 90. Uh, same family owns it that built it. Uh, and, you know, it's been been around a long time. It was an awesome location here. I mean... High traffic area. I mean, I can't. I think the last time I heard it was like 70,000 cars go by here a day. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I the bet. traffic. I mean, I, I pulled in tonight. Parking lot's packed. Yeah, every bay, every bay looks full. It's always jammed here, especially in the evenings. You know, because we've got other stuff going on too. So batting cages and I'll just. Mini I'm, a, golf. I'm a big fan. I mean, I'm, I haven't. You know, I, last time I played organized baseball was freshman year JV uh, back in the 90s, but. I, I kind of love a driving range that's got a batting cage. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a different feel for sure. But, you know, I mean, hey, trying to attract families and, and you know, in the, these crazy times, I mean, yeah, people need to get out and do stuff. So There's golf's another one not too that. far from here. Is it Rocky's Gorge? You ever go out there? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's on 29? Uh, yeah, that's a little bit up the, a little, a little ways away little up the road. But, I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen that one uh, a few times driving by there. I used to, I used to go there my, myself. I used to go up, go up to Rocky's Gorge quite a bit as a kid and, and more for the baseball than and, and for the batting cages yeah. than for than for golf. Um, so so you grew up knee here. So you, you mentioned you, you you kind of first got your first golf job here at Nighthawk at age mm-hmm. seventeen. Um, you've got your golf bag right over there, and along on the side of it is uh, Dematha. So mm-hmm. are you you're a stag? I am proud proud Dematha graduate, uh, class of ninety four. I'm. I'm crazy to say that but uh that was the that was my year i i didn't play golf there uh because i just picked up the game like right around my senior year um but i i played four years of varsity hockey there and then played college hockey but uh i'm a 
I'm still involved quite a bit with the school. I'm on the committee for the our large Ray Smith um, scholarship event. And, you know, the school's just, I mean, it's a brotherhood. Both of my boys were baptized in the chapel there. Really? So it's its a special connection for sure for me. Um, so that's interesting. So you played four years of hockey there. I did. You played college hockey at, at Towson? I did. It? Yeah, I played at Towson. Um, hockey and golf. There seems to be mm-hmm. quite a connection there. Yeah. What's, what, why? Well, I just think it's, you know, I mean, you play hockey in the winter and then you play golf in the summer, right? It's like, you know, you got the two seasons and I think it just, it kind of fits. I mean, it, it's the, it's a similar motion in a lot of ways. I mean, um, yeah, it's just guys take off from the ice and they go play the game and they love it. I mean, when I was one of my, you know, before I came here a bunch of years ago, I mean, I was at uh, the country club at Woodmore in Prince George's County for 10 years and I got to know and become good friends with uh, a bunch of the coaching staff on the Capitals and played many rounds with a bunch of the players. Yeah. Um, that's how I had uh, Dean Evison, who's now with the Minnesota Wild, on my podcast. And um, a couple of the guys who are with the organization are still friends of mine. And they, those guys just love the game. Uh, they really do. And they, they love to play for a few bucks. And yeah. they can usually move it, too. They can, they can smack it pretty good. So it's fun. I'm sure, yeah. Similar motion. You know, got to get the hip turn to really get the full yeah, speed. And they all got strong legs. Yeah. Using yeah. the ground. Yep. Yeah. So, so DeMatha, back to DeMatha for a minute. Um, so you, you, you kind of picked up the game there. Does DeMatha have a pretty competitive game? I mean, they're, they're competitive in every sport. Yeah. Is their golf team pretty? Yeah. 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 The, golf team, the golf team has um, done very well over the years, had a lot of really good players uh, come out of there. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, there's been quite a few guys who are, who are very solid players uh, come out of that program, uh, Coach Spots. Um, so Ben Spots and Dan Spots there. So yeah, they they've always had a pretty pretty competitive team. It's a tough tough division to play in. So I I, I grew up in the area as well. I grew up in Montgomery County. You and I are actually pretty similar in age. Um, and I grew up I was I was more of a basketball guy. And Morgan Wooten in this mm-hmm. area, you know, he was, you know, legend is is kind of an understatement. You know, I I used to go to his basketball camps every summer up in, up in Mount St Mary's, and my, my I'm just curious as um, as someone who went there and played sports, is he, re- you know, the, since the math is so good at so many different sports, I mean, their football team's great, you know, all the other, you know, obviously hockey, golf, all, all these different sports, was he revered, you know, in, inside the institution, like almost because of his, you know, yeah, everything he that he was? He was. I mean, it, you know, um, I didn't have him as a teacher in class. When I was there, he was still teaching a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody just, loved the guy um he was such a, a a positive gentle person and you know you walk down the hall and you say you know as soon as you see him come walk down like you just tell everybody it was like oh here comes coach wooten you know and he'd look you right in the eye and say how you doing and he was super cordial and always nice and just yeah i mean he's he's super revered and i, I had one of his assistants pete strickland on with me yeah. and we talked a lot about his his coaching and his influence so yeah he's he's super super revered yeah, uh, inside yeah, the school no, as well. Yeah, that was that was uh, enormous news in this area when he did pass, um, and obviously his his son is the coach at uh, at O'Connell. I O'Connell, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Joe, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, so so you you play some college hockey. At what point did you kind of make the switch to you know golf's my thing? Well, I, I mean, college hockey was was cool. Um, I mean, I, I I still play to this day. Uh, I 
the way it really worked out was one of those, honestly, Alex, was one of those really weird life things where it was, I could have gone either way. I was a mass comm major at Towson and I was still working, uh, I was working at a course which is no longer there in Prince George's County, Marlboro Country Club. I had moved on from here and worked my way down there. A friend of mine hired me in the shop and I was at the point where I was getting ready to graduate school and I needed a job. And I was interning at Channel 2 in Baltimore okay. in the sports department um, and was up for an editing job. And I was also doing golf as a just, you know, I was loving the game and I was doing that. And an editing job just didn't open up. The guy just couldn't find a spot for me. And so I had to at least take, keep going with the golf one. And, and there it is. Here you I am. You got the bug. It's weird. You know, I mean, it could have gone any direction. And yeah. here I am. So over the years, now you, you've already tossed out a couple other places that you've worked. How, you know, you've, you've, you've kind of been around to, to quite a number of courses. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go, th go through, read, read off some of the courses you've worked at uh, and then how you ended up back here where it all began at Nighthawk. Yeah, so I started here. I was here for two years. Uh, I went to the courses at Fort Meade, which are no longer there, unfortunately, for a little over a year in the bag room there. Um, that was a great experience where I really started playing a lot more golf. Uh, incredible time working there. I, I never got an opportunity to play there, but I've heard nothing but tremendous things yeah. about the experience there and just kind of the the, uh, the atmosphere of Fort Meade. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, just dealing with the, the military folks and the DOD folks, and it was just you know it was a lot of fun to work there. Uh, so I worked there. Then I went to Marlboro Country Club, where I really started working the golf shop. I was there for goodness, uh, roughly four years. Made a brief stop for um, half a year at Turf Valley Resort, um, which was cool to work at. It was just a long commute for me and some other, you know, other stuff there. So, came back to Marlboro uh, for goodness, maybe another year and a half or so. And then the first assistant, really the big uh, turning point was uh, the first assistant job at uh, the Country Club at Woodmore opened up, um, and I got the interview there and got the job. And that's where I stayed for the next 10 years. I was the first assistant there for four years. And then in 06, I became the head pro. And I was the head pro from 06 to 2012. So stood there for, you know, 10 years. Oh, wow. It was really, really cool. Um, and so coming back to Nighthawk, um, I see the, the MR Golf Instruction uh, logo everywhere. Mm -hmm. So this is basically you were able to get an opportunity where you could start your own company, essentially start your own. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was one of those things where I've been in the club side of the world of our world for you know 15 years or whatever, and and my my first son was you know four and a half five months at the time, and I just realized that you know as I'm sure you're finding out talking to some of my you know compadres in this business mm -hmm. you know it, it it's it's a difficult grind at times from a family perspective and you know holidays and weekends we're working and everybody's off right and I realized I, I I need to be some somewhere doing something where I could be home and not miss his life and still be in what I'm good at and I always wanted to teach I taught when I was at Woodmore but that's a small piece of the pie when you're a head pro you got everything else yeah. I was responsible for so in 2012 I basically you know, they were looking for another teacher here. I just happened to stumble on it, and, and they knew me from years back, and I quit my job, basically, and gotcha. went out on my own. Interesting. Yeah. So he, uh, working here at a range, um, more flexibility, obviously. 
I mean, I, less responsibility yeah. because you're not dealing with everything yeah. else that goes along with the club. I mean, I have my own business, my own LLC. I mean, I have an agreement here. I, I we have a good relationship on my own business. I come and go as I please, um, and it's fantastic. If I want to take the weekend off and be with my family, I'll do that, and it's yeah. it's great. Yeah. Are you the? Did I read somewhere? There's a, is there another pro here? Or are you the only pro here? There's another pro, another professional here. Yeah, um, uh, Don Slobodnik. Don's been here since when I worked here in high school. Is that right? Yep. Um, did I, he, was he a former coach for the, for the Terps? Yep, at University of Maryland. Um, uh, played for Fred Funk and then coached. Uh, Don was a very good player, still is a uh, really good player. Um, so he's been here a long time. So we've known each other a long time. We have a great working relationship. You know, we share the spaces here and it's, it's, it's great. I mean, he, you know, we, we get along awesome. So it's, it's been an awesome setup here. How has that been? I mean, so you're, you're essentially, now that you're on your own, you got to obviously have a contract with, with Nighthawk that you just mentioned, but you're essentially an entrepreneur. I mean, you've yeah. you got your own business. Yeah. How are you getting new students? Are you, are you, are you roaming the range and, and no. kind of tapping people on shoulders? Or how, so how at this it? point, you know, it's funny how it's progressed, Alex, honestly. I mean, it, I, I started here in 2012, and it was basically like I would come here every day and hang out and hopefully pick some people up. I was doing, you know, my Facebook page and I had my website and, and started that stuff and I did social media. And then just things started to progress where I would pick up people a little bit. I did lower rates, I did packages just to build the clientele. And then, you know, as word spread, uh, I was doing more on social media, more YouTube, all that. Um, I began to be able to sort of dictate rates and structures and get into more of the, the coaching side where I have long-term students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's progressed from sort of the one-off students to building it up. And it's, it, I mean, and to be perfectly honest, it was, you know, a little different. And it took me, a f- uh, you know, probably four years to really get my schedule reasonably full. And now, you know, I'm at the point now where I'm booked, you know, five weeks out. Oh, really? So oh, it's, that's great. It's, it's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you can kind of make your own schedule to, to, to what yeah. it, how, how it works for you and your family. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, right now, uh, I mean, I'm only teaching four days a week. Got it. And that's probably how I'll, I'll do it. I fill yeah. up my four days. It's great. And, you know, I can have more time to do other stuff. And who knows, maybe I'll play more golf one of these days. Sure. Do other stuff like, like start a podcast. Like start a podcast, yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, that's on the forefront of my mind every Monday and Tuesday when I'm off. I'm like, oh, my God, do I have a guest? I gotta, I gotta work through this, but you know that, like, I mean, as you know, you and I were talking about before, like, it, it's, it's work, but it is, it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's, and it's interesting to just hear from smart people, and I do it for my, for my students that I coach. I mean, more than anything, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it because I want to get a lot of listeners and want people to learn, but for my students too, it's just like, hey, you know, this is improvement is tough. Yeah, getting better is tough. But you've got kind of an interesting. Um uh, you know, kind of how you're doing your podcast, um, and again, it's driving improvement. If people need, to, you know, haven't haven't heard it yet, but you are interviewing people that aren't necessarily. I mean, some of them are affiliated with the game. Yeah. You've interviewed some other coaches, but I've listened to, to most of the episodes, and you know, you interviewed a chef, you yep. interviewed uh, you know another entrepreneur. Uh, it was nothing to do with golf. Yeah, my um, fitness coach. You know, you mentioned the, the old assistant with Morgan Wooten, basketball coach. Yeah, Pete Strickland. Yeah, Pete Strickland, who yeah. Who, who, I, who I remember from those camps back. I, I had to look him up because I didn't recognize the name, but I looked up his picture and I was like, I remember him. Yep. He used to always be at those camps. But so yeah. a lot of the guys have just been successful in other avenues, yeah. 
and just and and why? Just to, to learn what makes them tick, what makes them success, successful, and yeah. how you can apply that back to golf. Exactly, Ox. Yeah, I mean, it's just you can apply those lessons to everything. Like it, it, there there just aren't any shortcuts. Whether you're trying to make a swing change or you're trying to build a business, which I certainly understand. I mean, there was no shortcut to me building my business to this point. So I think it just helps to get an interesting overall view of different areas and different people. And I think it's interesting. And, you know, for me, it's, I mean, golf is what I do and I'm very thankful for what the game has done for me. I'm not super golf, like, you know, nerdy. Like I, I do my research, I attend things and, and all that, but I'm not like deep into golf all the time. Like my buddy Chris George was on with me. Chris, I lovingly call him a golf nerd. Sure. Like Chris is always into it. Um, so it's interesting to me to talk to other people. Uh, and you refer, when you're referring to Chris, your, your latest episode, which I, I, I listened to on my way over here, um, great concept. It's essentially a round table yeah. of, of past and current, I guess in John Scott's case, Mid-Atlantic PGA Teachers of the Year, where you kind of all just bounce ideas on each other and... Uh, what struck me was you were asking both with Chris George, who's a pro at Kingsmill, correct? Yes. And, and John Scott Rattan is, um, you know, like how do you start out? You know, what's the first thing you do in the first lesson with a new with a new student? Um, and and some different questions, but how different their answers were. Yeah. You meaning you know there there is you know there is no right answer. There's no you know necessarily playbook that everybody goes by. Right. Uh, when you're teaching. Yeah, I mean it, it was that was an interesting segment, and what I try to do like there were so many different ways I could have gone with that with the both of them and I know them both but I thought it was interesting just to sort of hit three different tiers of, of students um, especially the first two which I see a lot of and I know they teach elite students more even than I do but um, it was yeah it was really interesting like if you listen to Chris like he's starting from the putting green and yeah. John Scott and I don't do that you know and it's not wrong but it's just it's just different ways of getting it done. And I think that's one of the things about our industry too, like giving lessons, like once you get into this long enough, you realize it doesn't really matter what other people do. If you get results with your students the way you do it, mm -hmm. fine, it's great. Your students are happy. Yeah, right. Um, one, one of the things that you touched on with them and I'm kind of curious about because this is, this is something that me and, me and my regular foursome joke about a lot is, is kind of a lack of the average amateur and their lack of self-awareness, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm stating that wrong, but lack of um, critiquing their own game properly, yeah. is, that, is that? Their inability to self-evaluate, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's always an interesting question to ask, especially a new student. And, you know, it's, you know, when you, when you get a starting score that's 90, call it 95, mm -hmm. And then you hear, well, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. This is pretty good. I'm like, yeah. wait a second, hold the phone here. <laughs> like something's not right. Okay. Right. It's not, as I said on the podcast, like it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like you got to be able to be honest about what you're good at and what you're terrible at. It's okay. So, and that's, that can be challenging. Yeah, it, it is for people. I mean, people don't like to feel like they're, um, inept at something but at the end of the day most people are terrible at golf right, right. it's Especially okay after you spent four or five hours and a bunch of money to get out there and play yeah so it's like how much better do you want to be and are you willing to put the time in or were you are you willing to honestly look at it and say yeah i need to get better at this and it may not be full swing right um and that brings you so like the the, the folks that you teach here uh, on average, are, are you know you had mentioned, and at least in one of your podcasts, how you work with a lot of high school uh, players. Um, 
is is that more typical that 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 folks that come to see you um and and any golf instruction really um are younger folks that are just starting out with the game and and people uh, i guess of any age that are starting out with the game or do you get some folks that have been playing for 20 years and just like all right i'm I'm finally ready to get some instruction um I would say I have more of that, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think the, I teach some high school kids. Um, that's not a huge part of my business, but I have some, some kids I teach, um, a small grouping, and they're great. Uh, my meat and potatoes is the core golfer, really from, like, the, you know, low single digit up to the 22 handicapper. And then I'll get some beginners. but. Those people are really the core of my business. Like the, those, pe- they're people who pay, they are members at clubs, or they pay to play public golf. They buy golf clubs regularly. Like they support our industry yeah. by injecting their income into it. Sure. Uh, so those are the people that I teach primarily. And, and so, so those folks, because um, when I when I'm thinking about you know the people I know and the people I play golf with most often, um, I can think of plenty of folks, myself included, that probably need more. Um, need to invest more of their money instead of keeping go out there and playing more rounds, but you know may, maybe play three less rounds a year and get some lessons or, or, or whatever whatever the equation is. Yeah. Um, what do you is it is it more often there's something wrong with their swing? Is it is it, you're, you're working on a short game? Is it you know the folks that have been playing not necessarily the brand new golfer, but the folks that have been playing for a while? You know what. It, where, where, where do you usually focus? Well, I, I mean, for me, like, like if it's somebody new who's coming in with me, we're going to assess as much of it as we can first. Like, I'll get, I'll let them let it all out, let, give me their feeling on it, and then I'm going to give them mine. And a lot of times those don't match up, right. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'll just be honest with them. Like, look, you just hit five balls exactly the same curvature. Um, towards the target, repeatable as John Scott likes to call it. Sure. And now I want you to hit me a 40 yard pitch shot and they have no clue. So it really, it, I, I'm much better now than I was early on in my golf career at coaching and, and understanding well, when to do no harm mm-hmm. and where I need to really to dig in with people. And a lot of times it's, their ability to, to manage their own swing versus having to change it is what needs help. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, do you measure, I'm just curious, do you, do teachers, are they big on, uh, on keeping stats like improvement, like, okay, when you started with me, you were this handicap, and after three months, six months, a year, whatever, um, do you measure it like that or, or, or not really? Um, it depends on the person. I mean, I, I've got uh, maybe eight or, eight or 10 students who use Arcos and I look at their their stats and we use that stuff as a guideline for a lot of what we do um, but for some of them it's handicap and we say okay it's a goal some of them just want to hit the ball better mm-hmm. they don't care about score so I have to be understanding of that yeah. and make them happy and, and that and that's the ultimate thing for me honestly it's just like are they happy when they come in for lessons do they enjoy the experience um, are they getting better? Yeah, but are they enjoying the experience? Like at the end of the day, I've had this discussion with multiple people before, and it's like, if if somebody comes to you and they don't enjoy the experience of being there, they're never coming back. Yeah. Now, if they come to you and you help them hit the ball better, but it's a miserable time, 
they're not coming back. Right, right, but if right. they come to you and they get they get some hope, they understand what they have to do, and they have a great time, you got them. Yeah, you've got them. That must be. Uh, do, you, do you ever get out and play with your with your students? Uh, occasionally. I mean, it's t- obviously tough for me being here at a range. I mean, I'm actually starting to uh, set up. A, um, I'm, we're starting this in a couple of weeks here. We're I've got a small group of students. We're going to play uh, down at Oak Creek together just for fun day not a playing lesson just for all of us getting out together now i'll be watching yeah but i'm gonna play and enjoy the day myself but um it's difficult for me to get out so that's why arcos is great because i can get on there and see the whole by whole gps satellite view and what they did and i can send them notes through the system that i use with them and say hey i noticed a lot of wedge shots and here here and here so it's almost like me being on the course with them to some degree you know what? I never even considered that. I'm I'm, I'm familiar with with Arcos and and what's their competitor? Game Golf is that? Is I that believe still so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Arcos has kind of taken it over for sure. Really okay. Yeah. Um, I don't, I've never I, I tested it out once. I've, I've never I, I didn't end up purchasing it, but I, I never occurred to me that so if you if you get a teacher, mm-hmm. all that data is going right back to them and they can kind of monitor that yeah. and they can kind of see if I something just, stands out. Yeah, I just put them on my student dashboard and I can look at that stuff and I use. For all my year-round students that are on my long-term coaching program, they're all on my, I use CoachNow, um, is our coaching platform. So everybody has their own individual page on CoachNow uh, where we share information. They can type notes in from practice sessions. And I'll go in on my days off and spend a couple, you know, a little bit of time going through my students' Arcos and send them notes and CoachNow will go back yeah. and forth. And it just helps us sort of focus in what we're gonna do in lessons. Yeah. Um, it's been, you know, it's been very helpful. And then some of my students are really good about saying, okay, I need to work on this, this, and this. Um, I think the difficult ones for me, honestly, are when students come in and they don't have a plan. Like, Do you, do you have many students that come in and say, um, I, ju- I, I wanna hire you, I want into lessons, but I just wanna work on chipping? Or putting, or my driver. I want to hit it like one of the guys that I, I know uh, hits long balls here every once in a while, Cal Berkshire. Yeah, yeah, he's been up here hitting five irons over the uh, about 280 yards. Um, you know what? I don't get that that much. I, I mean, you know, I'll get some of that occasionally, but I, I think when people get into a long-term coaching relationship, which is what I prefer, mm-hmm. I think they're they're understanding that they're they're we're looking at the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Now they might have one area that's seriously glaring, and we've got to fix it, and we'll we'll do that. Sure. But I, I certainly am always nudging them if we get too sort of full swing oriented. I'm like, let's make sure we're checking out the short game stuff too. Like, let's yeah. test this. Interesting. Just to be safe. What is uh, I, I I name drop Kyle Berkshire there because I, I I see him post some videos and he's and and he's a local guy from, yeah. from this area and yeah. comes up to Nighthawk quite a bit. Uh, does he draw a crowd when he starts pulling out the putter and hitting it 300 yards? No, I think, um, you know, people up here have been pretty good about leaving him alone. I mean, his, a lot of times when he's up here hitting balls with the track man on, just practicing, he's more working on his game. Mm-hmm. He's not hitting long balls because right. he knows he'll drive every ball out of the range here in the right. cornfield. But, um, yeah, his dad is usually, you know, when he's up here with him and hanging out, and I think his dad kind of tries to keep people back a little bit and leave him alone to some degree and people are good about it i mean you know he's a local guy and yeah. you know, he's up here working on his game yeah so like everybody else sure sure yeah i know he seems like a pretty down-to-earth dude and for those that don't yeah, he know is. he's the reigning world long drive champion so he essentially can hit a golf ball further than anybody on the planet uh that is correct yes and he's 
he does it very well and he you know he's again local i mean his dad uh owns crofton country club right up the road and cal right. grew up playing there and so yeah i mean it's it's cool to have a local guy dominating out there and he's doing it right man he's he's working hard at it yeah no doubt it's uh fun fun to watch um so so obviously this is an unusual year yeah. um with with everything going on but uh have you seen it seems that that with all the craziness going on you know golf's kind of you know i keep seeing it's golf's having a moment you know it's it's, it's yeah there's not there's a lot of things that are unsafe to do and golf seems to be one of those things that's very safe and, and people that maybe have quit the game are coming back have you have you seen a lot of that firsthand yeah i mean i i think it's it's been really interesting i mean i came back to work in june um and it's just been gangbusters i mean all my regulars and then i've had a, a lot of new inquiries and picked up a bunch of new regular students uh, i've never seen the range here as busy as i've seen it it's always been a busy place but there's times of the day where I was shocked at how many cars were in the parking lot. And our club business here, which you know, we have a really good club fitter here, Brandon Johnson, and he does an awesome job. He does all my club fittings for all my students. Okay. Um, I mean, his numbers, even with, you know, are, are, are awesome so far this year, even with, you know, a couple of months of being you know, shut down, essentially. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely going gangbusters. And I'm hoping that that moment stretches a lot longer than, yeah. than that you know, long term for the health of the game, I think we, you know, we we need it. Yeah, no, I I I, I hope you're. I hope that's true, and and I, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Especially since, you know, there were sev- several years in a row there. It seemed like you know, golf numbers were going down, participation was going down, a lot of courses closing. Yeah, still seem to be closing to some extent. But hopefully, that's this this, you know, one silver lining this year is that all turns around. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's. You're right about the courses closing. I mean, it's been tough. It's certainly been tough for public golf, you know, in my home county, in Prince George's County. I mean, we had all these close courses that I know were there when I started in the golf business aren't there anymore. And it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, it's, it's been nuts. So it's been kind of tough with public golf. And then we've up the road here, we've had Eisenhower closed for a while under yeah. renovation. They're That's still right. not open yet. Hopefully, hopefully this fall here, although we're yeah. already really into the fall, I guess. That's going to be an exciting reopening. They're, they're reopening is. with, it's going to be a bunkerless golf course, right? It is, yeah. I mean, it, it's, um, I, I'm, I think all the golfers are excited about it. I think I'm excited for everybody to, to get out there and play it. Um, I know uh, Damian Cosby, who runs the grounds for the, um, for the, for the county, um, who was the head pro there. Um, I've chatted with Damian about it and actually, you know, given him a lesson or two and, He's excited about it. I think the golfers in, in, in the county, especially, are going to be really pleased with what they did. Yeah. Um, how about the the nine hole here at Nighthawk? Is that uh, you know, is that see, there's there's some people out there right now, and we're yeah. we're almost at a at a daylight here. Has it been getting their numbers are up there as well? Yeah, I think they, they've they've had a decent amount of play for sure. Um, a lot of faces out there I haven't seen before, and you know, yeah, I think it's. I, I'm, I'm imagining their numbers are probably up because it just seems like every time I look out there, there's people all over the place. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been awesome. I see a lot of kids, which is cool. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's what we want. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun course. Um, one of the things that was, um, well, sticking to the course for one minute, um, it's, it's, it's a cool little design. Like you said, it, the longest hole is maybe 100 yards. 110, yeah. It's not going to be confused with Augusta National. No, it's definitely um, not. You know, it's they, okay. They've got a couple really fun tee locations. Like you're essentially back in the woods yeah. hitting off mats. Um, 
do you and I mean, but it's it's really cool. And, and, and nine hole courses and shorter courses and kind of alternative anything alternative to eighteen holes are kind of also mm-hmm. in vogue right now in the world of golf. Um, do do you envision have there has there ever been any conversations about changing it at all or or, or sprucing it up a bit or, or uh, anything like that or not? No, not you know really? I don't I, I don't know. I think that's a that's a good question for the ownership. I mean, I, I think um, you know they they. They keep it mowed. They they keep uh, keep it in decent shape, and yeah. you know it was never meant to be, you know, super manicured, maintained like a like a true golf course. Sure. Um, but you know, again, it, it's all about that the experience. Honestly, like just yep. you got tees, you got a green, you got a hole in the ground and a flag, and it's like that's the game. And and you know, it's 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 worked well. Like you said, I think giving people an alternative from a distance and time perspective is super important right now. I, I, I love it, and I think it probably also helps with, you know, in this in this year where so many people are either picking up golf for the first time or coming back, I'm looking over your shoulder right now. I see a foursome out there. It looks like they maybe have three clubs between them. Yeah. So maybe they don't even own clubs, and they're out yeah. there giving it a go and, yeah. and trying out. So it's, it's you know, it's a really it's a really cool spot. And we see our share of folks out there with, you know, their clubs and uh, pulling, a, pulling a cooler with a couple <laughs> beverages in it, you know, behind them, too, and that's cool, right? I mean... Sure. We're trying to relax golf a little bit too. Yeah. So and that's frowned upon most places. Is, is that is that? Oh, it's is, fine here. Yeah. I mean, they don't they don't care. I mean, look, they're paying customers get out there, have a good time. Like, yeah. Whatever. I mean, we're, you know, it's it's a different environment. You know, coming from a from a high end private club to to here, but I, you know, I think it's great. It's just it's more, it's a little more opening and and welcoming in that way. I miss being at a golf course because of the golf course, but. You know, we've got the facilities here to do everything we need to do, so it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, what would you say to someone? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna ask you a real quick tip to put you on the spot mm-hmm. for something that that happens to me all the time with tea, Sir, especially when maybe I uh, overswing a little bit of it. But sometimes not. My my back foot slips a lot. Okay. Is that when you see that? Which way does it slip? It slips, it slips straight, you. straight backwards. Okay. Is that is that a, a distribution issue? Is that a you so, know I, li- I like to blame it on my shoes, but I've, I know that's probably not the case. <laughs> well, you could, uh, but so typically, if you see somebody who is a who is a, a trail foot slipper like that, mm-hmm. um, that's somebody who might get their pressure too far forward on their left foot too early. Okay. Yeah. And they're sort of stuck. Um, into their front foot and it creates a little bit of an uneven distribution there um, the club's moving fast and then it's hard to to manage your footwork that way so I've seen that before in some students where they'll drive their, their pressure too forward too early and then yeah. that foot kind of works back and out of it interesting yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense that's probably what I'm doing that's I think that's a, pro- that's, that's, that's a proper analysis it's something to, something I can take away from this do you pop it up with the driver uh, I don't. I mean, a lot of times it, it, that'll happen even on really good drives that I'm happy yeah. with. Well, at the end <laughs> of the day, but see, that's the thing, Alex. Like, and that that's where where coaching and teaching and all that come together. It's like, you know, students want to tell me what they think is wrong by what they see visually. Sure. Coaches tell you what they think is wrong by by how it functions. Right. So and actually analyzing what's really going on. Yeah. So if somebody moves their right foot like that and they hit it great, why would I touch it? Right. Like what's the point right right like greg norman slid his right foot towards his left foot and was one of the greatest drivers of the ball ever to play yeah so jim furyk Mm -hmm. his dad should get a medal 
right. for not changing that swing. Sure. So I, I think when you talk about good coaching, it, it comes to understanding how things work and being able to fit to the person and understanding that it has to be functional, mm -hmm. not stylistically beautiful. Like we all want to have a swing that looks like Adam Scott, sure. but only Adam Scott has that. And then you see a guy like you're talking about Jim Furyk, but like Matthew Wolf right now, sure. you know, lighting the yeah. door on fire. Yeah, George Gaines. One of the weirdest swings you ever seen in your life. Yeah, and a guy just pounds it. You yeah. know, so it really just depends. I mean, that that's one thing I've tried to do is you know fitting into what people do well and what they're able to do. And if if somebody's not going to change what they're going to do physically, like if they struggle with something, uh, an ailment, I'm going to try and build something around it. Yeah. And, and make it work. Do you ever use, um, obviously since these tour players are on TV all the time, um, and, and yeah, I hear what you're saying, you know, their, their, their swings are, not everybody's Adam Scott, but are there certain things when you're working with one of your students, you're like, hey, if you, if you happen to be watching the, the tour this week, or if you're looking online, you know, this guy does this really well, you know, whether it's DJ, mm -hmm. the way he pulls it back, or a way, you know, somebody else, the way they chip or putt, or you know, is there any any of the the, the, yeah. the tour guys that you think you know that have moves or parts of their game that people should emulate or really watch? Um, you know, I gotta be honest. I, I don't I don't tell my students to look at tour players' swings too often. Uh, maybe the tempo and the rhythm or in rhythm, but in the rhythm part. But more than anything, I tell my students to watch short game because I think, from my perspective, like I tell this to a lot of my students. Tour players, it's very clear when you watch them set up for a full shot versus a short game shot, what they're attempting to do. Short game setup is way different than full swings. The people I teach, it's hard to tell sometimes when they get near the green whether they're gonna make a full swing or a short game shot. Sure. So it's really important to set up correctly for what your intention is. So I tell them, watch what these guys do around the greens. Yeah. I much prefer to let them do that because again, most people I'm teaching aren't gonna have the, the physical ability or the physical attributes or the time necessary to, to try and make their swing look-ish like a tour player swing. So, but they can and do- trying to do what Bryson DeChambeau does off the tee is, is a lost cause. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not drinking seven <laughs> protein shakes a day, Alex. Uh, but, but you know what they can do is they can get a lot closer to those guys when it comes to their short game technique. Right. Because right. that doesn't take a lot of strength. It yeah. doesn't take a lot of flexibility. It just takes understanding of technique and setup and practice yeah that makes a lot of sense um well this is this has been a lot of fun um any what any any plans for for the podcast uh, you you had mentioned on your last episode uh that uh, the round table with uh, the other mapga is that going to be a kind of an ongoing thing yeah or? i'm definitely going to do that i've got a couple other um guests i got to confirm and set up here coming up but that might be outside the golf side a little bit um but I'm definitely going to support my, my fellow MAPGA uh, section you know, pros and, and do another Teacher of the Year Roundtable. i got to figure out who's going to be the next two on my next one, and we'll come up with some good topics for that, um, try and help people out in different areas. So we're kind of hitting on some different things in each yeah. one, not the same stuff. Uh, so I, I think it'll be fun. We've got an amazing list, uh, and I'm very honored to be on that list, um, of you know, past winners in our section for sure. So it's it's fun. Like you said, I mean, it's it's work, but it's good work. I do have to ask you, the um, guest. Uh, you have to re re refresh my memory on his name. His last name was Shankman. Peter Shankman. He was a character. Peter's great. <laughs> We've known Peter for a long time. I know Peter through my wife, um, and Peter is a perfect example though of somebody who who's taken risks. I mean, he put up his last rent check, 
to get t-shirts made and, and went six figures in the t-shirts and has been an entrepreneur, sold, bought, created and sold multiple companies. Like yeah. he's a ball energy, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, you know, ADHD is his superpower, as he calls it. But right. he's, he's taught a lot of people how to use that effectively. And he's, um, he's amazing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's tough to keep up. Yeah, no, I, I actually thought that was, that was, he was a super interesting kind of story and guy and yeah he was kind of going a mile a minute and i was yes. kind of it was kind of laughing as i was listening to it but it was it was it was really interesting i knew that was going to be the shortest podcast to the to date because there's <laughs> no way you're keeping peter on uh, for longer than a half hour so it was like 28 minutes of of you know rapid fire and then we're, we're out so it was it was good though yeah was well good. i'm also glad to hear i enjoy talking to other folks that are um you know launching their own podcast or just you know getting going the podcast somewhere to me so i can you know, um, you know, we can talk about that. This is this is work. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it takes some efforts to get it, to get it right. Um, but uh, no, this has been fantastic. And, and folks listening, definitely check out again. Driving improvement. Yeah, thanks, Mark Russo. And pleasure to meet you. And um, um, you know, maybe we can get out and, and, and play the Nighthawk nine hole at some point. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming all the way out here to do this. So we got a pretty nice night and yeah come, ba- come back out here and play the old Nighthawk par 3 I think the course record is uh, actually Don the other pro here has it I think he shot uh, right after it opened he shot 22 22 5 under par so there's your there's your target score Alex that's yeah <laughs> I don't think I can shoot 22 out here yeah. but uh, yeah okay uh, sounds good uh, this has been great thank Thanks, you very Alex. much Mark appreciate I appreciate it man thank All you right. stuff. I want stuff I can't hear elsewhere, but I want it to be about DC golf. 